Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Powered4.tv, Big Fight Weekly, episode 38, Chris, episode 38, we're getting through these now, aren't we, I tell you? Well, we are, mate, we are. And what, what a weekend, we're going to focus firstly on UFC 268, I know it's been whetting your appetite, Chris, for a long, long time, leading up, you know, you said there was a lot of big cards coming up, and my word did it deliver, we'll be covering the boxing later on in the show, but Chris, we've got to go straight into it. The main event, the second fight between Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, and my word, did it deliver, Chris? 100%. Um, really, really enjoyed this main event. Uh, I, I, I kind of thought, you know, with Usman in his last couple of fights with Burns and Masvidal, that, you know, you know, if, if we go by what round two was like in this fight, I thought that that was the way it was going to go, because in the first couple of rounds, Colby Covington or Colby Covington, however you want to pronounce it, looked very tentative going in with Usman. Like, um, I, I how can I put it? Didn't I want to go strike for strike with him at first, if you've did, if you noticed this? Absolutely. Yeah. He, um, you know what I mean? Because in, in the first fight they ever had, it was all guns blazing, and Kobe was going at him and going at him, which you did see in the later rounds. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was, you know... I feel like yeah, the fight was really, really good, but I feel like the judges ruined it as well. In, in both mo- main, main event and co-main, the judges are more the highlight, really, than the actual fight itself. It just the, the, the actual scoring cards, and we go off the scoring cards, uh, I think they were abysmal. I don't think they were that, it was that far wide in that fight at all. How the hell has he? How the hell has he come up with forty nine, forty six, Chris? Because you could make a case for Covington, as you said, you know. It, he did. He did plenty. He did plenty. You know, get, forget the, the opening two rounds, as you say. But coming out in that third round, Chris, you know, where he's been rocked twice and put down. You know, how the hell has that judge got forty nine forty six? It beggars belief, doesn't it? Uh, listen, a lot of you know, you listen to the commentators. You listen to Joe Rogan. It was good to hear Joe Rogan back isn't it? after a couple of months of uh, whatever he was doing. Like, um, but they were saying ten uh, eight. Um, in boxing, I'd say that's a ten eight. But, it, you know, Colby Covington got up from both of those strikes and carried on 
going through the, you know, tr trying to attack Usman as soon as he's dropped. Then obviously the the bell goes for that for that round. But I don't think Usman was really in complete control of that fight after that second round. Kobe, I think Kobe Covington found himself then because he was hitting him with jabs and he was catching him with that uppercut. I don't know if you noticed, but every time Usman come in, it felt like he was getting stuck in the mud when he was missing strikes because his head was down and it was just. And it felt like, like I say, he was stuck in the mud. And guess what? Kobe was lighting him up then, and Kobe was catching him with that uppercut over and over again. And he wobbled Usman a fair few times. The only dismay I've got for Covington in that is. Why did you go for a single leg? He should have carried on chipping away. But every time he wobbled Usman, he kept on trying to go for that takedown, that single leg, mm. which obviously Usman being well-aversed in wrestling, you know, one of the best in in, in UFC and in the, that division, stopped it. Uh, you know, well, you know, stuffed that takedown, should we say, per se. But also, I've got another query here for you. Is Covington took Usman down, all right, and they debated it much in the commentary. Um, Cormier and and Dean Thomas both said that was a takedown. But if you look back at the stats now, they, well, they basically said that wasn't a takedown. And so why, straight why, out. why was it not clusters one after then? In your mind, why have they done that? Why have they made a U-turn on that takedown? I just don't think they give it. I just don't think they give it. But you can ask everybody else who watched that fight. I, I you know, what I mean, both knees of Usman touched, touched the canvas got, so that to me is a takedown you've got professional guys analyzing guys who've been in the sport they know it you know and and yet they've u-turned on it and uh, do you know what Chris another thing another side note here the crowd turned I was hearing a lot of cheering for Covington you know a lot of whereas early on a lot of people were going for Usman I felt there was a shift there you know as that went on as much as Covington's outspoken in his government views mm -hmm. and stuff like that I really, oh, I yeah, could yeah, hear, yeah. you could hear it. There was a, it's almost like people were, you know, swayed for, for Colby because of his performance. Well, he fought with a lot of heart because, you know what I mean? He, he did get dropped twice in that second round. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we all know what Usman's found that power in that, in that right hand. And it's like a rocket, isn't it? But I think, uh, you know, Us I think Usman underestimated Covington after that. Because I think after he knocked Covington down, it was a bit of like, oh, right, okay, I can, I can, I can knock him out now. You know what I mean? He, he's tasted the power and obviously at that point Covington was very tentative to engage with Usman but after that no Covington come out they obviously sorted out their game plan because it was all over the place in the first two rounds and he, he kept he, he caught and he kept on catching Usman like I said that uppercut and then that right cross had come across it it, it was catching Usman and Usman kept on dipping that head and it worried me in that fight because every time he dipped his head Covington came up with that uppercut and it, he could see it all day um, but Usman comes away with the victory, um, a hard-fought victory, because, you know, as I said, and I've wrote in the, in the, in the banner, it, Covington really pushed him all the way. Mm. And I said to this um, when this, they got matched up, that Covington's the only other fighter in this yeah. division you've that can it. push Usman. To, be, to, to your credit, you, you've said that, you know, one else has done it, at, you know, gauging round, you know, the first fight, sorry, should I say. You, know, you did say that, you, you've maintained that right the way through. You know, he's been matched up with people, but yeah, as you say, you know, in your in your headline there that you put together, it pushed him all the way. Chris, looking at the six strikes, I was gonna do me uh, do me own Scatman John, but I'm not gonna do that because I'll Scatman John. I will brutalize it, but on six strikes, I was gonna do a bit of Scatman, but I've decided against it. I'm, Beep, the, bada, 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 I'm the Statman, but that's what I'm doing. Hundred and seven, hundred and seventy-five significant strikes landed. At 360, Chris, so a 48%, you know, 
strike rate there for Usman. And then Colby Covington, 143 for 395, you know, that he's actually thrown at 36%. Yeah. So he's thrown more, he's thrown 35 more strikes than Usman, okay. Which ones were the most clinical in that? You know, you can you can take take that away, can't you? But yeah, just um, I just found it, you know, quite quite remarkable. Forty eight percent, you know, and and a thirty six percent to Colby's credit as well. As we know, Usman's developed into one of the best strikers as well, hasn't he? Yeah, no, he's getting it. He's got a lot. I think his defense is it's still got to work something out there because we spoke about this last week, and I said about Usman's got all his power and he's got his wrestling to you know to back him if he needs it. But he just get caught a lot, and he, he got caught a lot against Masvidal until he caught Masvidal flush and you know turned the lights out of Masvidal. Couldn't do that to Kobe, and Kobe wouldn't go away then. And I think you know, I mean, you, you saw Usman starting to tire a bit towards like, the latter of the the fourth round, going into the fifth. Not like monstrously slowing down, but enough for them for Kobe to start you know chipping away, chipping away. Um, yeah, Kobe has come away from this looking really, really good. Um, he said in his post-fight um, that Leon Edwards and Masvidal shouldn't happen. He wants Masvidal next, which I, I happily see Colby Covington versus Masvidal. You know, not just for the fight, but the shit talk that them two are going to have. You know, being both, you know, used to train together. They used to live together. You know what I mean? I just, I, the whole storyline of Masvidal, Masvidal and Covington would be brilliant. You know, we, we gauged it last week, didn't we, in terms of Covington hadn't been as active as Usman as well, you know, leading up mm-hmm. to this. We know COVID's been a factor as well, but what a showing, Chris, what a showing. Do we look at Chimiev, though, as as the as the kryptonite? Because you've spoken about him leading in, and he's accounting himself very well leading up to it. Does Chimiev pose a threat to Usman, number one, and Covington? Because he's been touted as you know one of the next big things in the division. What are your thoughts? We we have spoken about Chimiev. I think we've grazed Chimiev, haven't we? Really? But what what would you what would you say for him? Do you see him, or do you think it could be a Masvidal Dal or a Leon Edwards that could prove problematic? Chimiev, uh, it, it's a case of yeah, okay. He's had he's had four quick fights in the UFC. Um, you've got to say the first two weren't. Brilliant per se. I know both they're both UK guys, but Shamayev is just too good for them. Um, I, I, I think if you're Usman, I take him now because the 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 longer you leave him to gain the experience, fight some of the better fighters to get that under his belt, the more harder that fight's going to become when he's got all that experience. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the actual fight itself, um, he's going to be a, a, a factor in the in the division. Maybe he needs one more fight. Maybe, mm. maybe someone lurking around because obviously he'd be in the top ten now. Someone lurking up there, Stephen Thompson, maybe. But then Stephen Thompson's going to struggle to keep him off his back if, 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 if Shemaev wants to take him down. This is the problem, isn't it? Stylistically, you've got to be looking to him and Usman, haven't you? You know, if you want to see, if you want to see ground based, uh, which it will be. You want to, you know, if you oh, want to yeah. see what, if you want to see what, you know, he's all about, he's got to test himself against Usman. I think, no, I think Colby Covington versus Has uh, Hazmat Shemaev mm. would be a, a good shout. I just don't know if that's a, too much of a jump yet. Okay, mm. he's looked good so far, and he needs a test. He needs a, a big test. Uh, Michael Chiesa, I think Michael Chiesa is booked up now, but Michael Chiesa versus Hazmat Shemaev would be good because Michael Chiesa is good grappling. He's got good submissions. Mm. Um, he, he wouldn't get um, overall. Overruled as much as Lee Jiang Ying did. Um, 
like I say, maybe a Stephen Thompson because Stephen Thompson's still there. Uh, you know, I, I like. I think Vicente Luque would be a brilliant fight for Hasma Shumayev because then we can really see where his stock level goes. Like, uh, but I think again, Vicente Luque is looking is looking more likely. I think to face Usman next because obviously Usman's beat Edwards and Masvidal. Don't forget. Back to Usman as well, Chris. He's just one victory behind the great Anderson Silva as well. Fifteen straight, vi- fifteen straight victories, Chris. And he looks set. He looks set to tie himself with Anderson Silva in the next fight. <laughs> but incredible from him, you know, an early, an early loss in his career. You know, you know, well documented. Other than that, he's been absolutely fantastic, hasn't he? Oh, listen, I think sometimes it's good that these people have one loss. They taste defeat and then they know what to work be- you know, what to work on to get better. Listen, he's wheeled off uh, win after win after win after that loss. Hasn't lost a single fight since then. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about Usman, but I want to say there's one guy next to him in that division that is still going to be kingpin, and that's George St. Pierre. Uh, I've seen a lot of debate uh, along Twitter, along Facebook, and I've gone through these sites. A lot of people arguing who's better now, uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, GSP has more of the records. GSP's fought the best. G- GSP in six years when he was a, uh, the, t- the champion only lost two rounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got a long way to go to match GSP because GSP also fought some animals um, as well. And he went up to middleweight as well. You know, let's yeah, he not, did. Let's not, let's not forget, you know, would Usman, would Usman likely go oh, up I don't to know, 185? Could you see him at 185, Chris? He's, he's, he's got the... He's got it though, hasn't he? You said it's lying a bit dormant, 185 and 285, 285, should I say. That's a a big difference. You know, um, as I was saying to you, you know, across the board, all the divisions, but you did say 185 and 205, probably the weakest. So Uh, Currently, currently. It could do with maybe shushing up someone moving up then, couldn't it, from there? You know, we talk about it in boxing. We've seen it done in the UFC. So maybe, just maybe, anything to close out on this one, Chris? A fantastic, what what a main event it was at MSG. Listen, I, I enjoyed it. I think every fight on that card delivered. And obviously, I know we're going to pick the bones of some more fights after this one. But I enjoyed the event. I enjoyed last week's and this week's. I think yeah. both both numbered events really brought it. Mm. Um, yeah. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> it's... Yeah. You know, historically, but they have, haven't they? I'd say, I'd say, right the way through COVID, Chris, there hasn't really been that many bad cards, has there? You no, there's, there's been really good fights. There's been some lull in the main events, like a few fight nights it took to get to where we are now. Minus Vittorian Costa, because that was really, really good. But we've had to go through a bit of lull main events that you know you wouldn't really put necessarily as a main event. But you know, we've got so many big fights still to come. You know, one this weekend, which we'll get to. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed Absolutely. it. And moving on to the ladies, Rose Namajunas retains in a split decision against Weili Zhang, Chris. The second fight between these two, Rose obviously took her out in the first fight. This one went the distance, but there's been a little bit of uh, differing opinions on the scorecards because in the split, it was 48-47 and 47-48. And then another wide one, Chris, 49-46 reappearing in the mm. co-main and uh, I know you've got a lot to say about this. So, yeah, Chris, I think we were both on the same page this when we spoke off camera. But, yeah, I'd like to hear from you firstly. Listen, I thought Wei Liang, uh, this is what the fight I thought I was going to see the first time round. Because, obviously, Wei Liang proved and showed everyone this weekend how good she was, how strong she was. Um, and she was catching Rose Namajunas over and over again. And it wasn't it wasn't just the striking. The low, those leg kicks were nasty. And she was catching her. 
over and over again. And every time Nami Yunus came in, she was catching her. She was she was switching to a takedown. She was really forcing the issue with Rose Nami Yunus. I think Rose Nami Yunus struggled in those first three rounds. Um, you know, she did get off a, a couple of good shots to Wei Liang. But Wei Liang, don't forget, rocked uh, Rose Nami Yunus. I think round two sent her back pedaling. Um my my problem is is you're looking at Rose Namunis and she looked you know she looked they both looked really good. I just think Wei, Li, Wei Liang took the first three rounds in this fight. Oh, I'm I, on it. I'm with hundred percent. And I think Rose took the last two. I, I, I do I'm not gonna say this is a big robbery because it's not per se, but I, I think there's a big, big case for people uh going with Wei Liang winning this fight. Um I like I said, I watched the fight live. Um no, I did. Yeah, 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 I did that. Sorry, and um, I had I had Wei Liang up three rounds going into the fourth round before Rose took her down and controlled her on the floor. But you could see then Wei Liang was tiring at that point. How how is how is it a forty nine forty six, Chris? It's not. He, was he was he half asleep at his chair, <laughs> logging it logging it into his paper? Because she kept pressing it. Yeah, okay, Rose was landing. I get all that, but that that round where she had her, had her on the ground all that time, a ground control. Fair enough. It was one round, Chris. The forty-seven, forty-eight to Zhang. I'm going with. I think that was perfectly I scored. Think but, I think I, I think that's fair. But fine margins, Chris. Again, isn't it? And as we always say, opinions. Yeah, and everyone's got an opinion, haven't they? Yeah. You know, and also again, you're going back to the same phrase that Dana White said from day one is never leaving it hands of the judges because they can't be trusted to to score a fight properly. Um listen, I think Rose got off really lightly in this fight. I think we're gonna see a third fight between these if Rose is still champion. Once Wei, Wei Liang's found herself, and I think she's gonna have a couple of more fights and get back in get back into contendership. But these are gonna fight again, most definitely gonna fight again. Does Carla Esparza have a chance against Rose. I, I can't see it. I think she's got too much no. momentum. I think, you know, Carla's come back, hasn't she, as well? Because she was highly touted, you know, years ago when they brought her through in the Ultimate Fighter as well. Um, but, yeah, I, that's only going one way, surely, looking ahead to that. Yeah, but Carla, I suppose, uh, you know, she won the Ultimate Fighter for the strawweight title and then bumped into you one of your JJ. <laughs> and, um, the, you know, the, the, the history's there. Um, listen, Carla has looked really, really good recently. Uh, the last couple of fights, she's dominated and looked really, really good. Differences between their first fight uh, and, and the fight would say if it was to be made now is Rose come on massively since their first fight and from the, since the Omni fighter she you know I mean she's come on so so good I I, I can't see Carla Spurza dominating Rose like she did in the first fight you know we're looking like you know, how many years ago that was now but Rose has just got has gone has gotten really good um, but like I say Carla Spurza can still take her down Carla Spurza if she can take you down she can you know she can hold you there. I just can't see her doing that to Rose. You know, Wei Yang couldn't hold Rose Nami Yunus down in this fight. Um, not all the way, but yeah. I, I, it's very difficult at the moment because Dana White, I think, came out and said in the post-presser post that he's not happy with Carlos Sposa saying she wants to sit out and wait. He's not doesn't like fighters to sit out and wait for title shots. Um, so... It's one of them where we're gonna to have to see what happens. You know, regardless, <coughs> regardless of scoring. To be fair to Rose, you know she's beaten Jay Chet twice. She's beaten. Mm-hmm. She's now beaten Weili Zhang twice as well. Yep. It, a, a record in UFC alone now is nine and three. You know, if you look, four of them victories have come against them two fantastic ladies. You know, she's uh, she's defied the odds, hasn't she? Oh most, no, no, listen, most definitely, certainly definitely. the girl. The girl has got fight lovely post from Anthony Pettis as well. He's trained up in Milwaukee there. And uh, mm-hmm. I noticed he was very complimentary of how far she's come because, you know, they train day and day out together. 
so, Chris, what you know, regardless of how we feel it should have been scored, you know, she's she's come through with it with another victory and looking very strong at straw weight. Yeah, no, but most definitely. Listen, don't forget she eventually lost her Andrade as well. Um, you know, she was very lucky to lose the title the, the first time around to Jessica Andrade. You know, she she got dumped on the head and those sort of things happened. And she was controlling that fight against Jessica Andrade before that she got dumped on the head. Um, you know, she's fought some really difficult opponents as Rose, Rose Nama Yunus. Um, Whaley Yang's is going to have to go, get away, come back, and you know, see where, 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 where we can sort of match these two somewhere down the line because I don't think it's over. And I'd love to see a third fight. Absolutely. Also, if you've got some views on UFC 268, please, please write them in. Send them send them over. Chris will put them up because it was just a fantastic event. Here he is, Lewis Young, all the way from Fulkirk, up in Bonnie, Bonnie, Scotland there. How are you, Lewis? How did you find UFC 268, mate? Love to hear what you felt. Okay, mate, moving on. So all of this, right. Now, we touted this one, Chris. A free rounder. I kind of wish it was a five rounder the way it went. Mm. <laughs> Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje, Chris, a war of attrition, an absolute bomb burner, as you said. The physique of Michael Chandler, you know, when he gets in there, Chris, the absolute it's like a bulldog. It's unbelievable. And Justin Gaethje managed to come through. It was twenty nine twenty nine on one scorecard, Chris. Twenty nine twenty eight. And another another wide score, thirty twenty seven on the cards, back mm. and forth, back and forth. So yeah, Chris, what did you feel? Listen, we spoke about this last week, and I, I you know, you sent me the the post from the comment I said about it being like a, a, a Chandler versus Eddie Alvarez and Chandler versus um, sorry Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje, and it was just like that and more, wasn't it? They both came in the first round and they started swinging um, Chandler. Was I thought was did really good in the first three minutes of that yeah. fight, the fight. He he rocked Justin Gaethje, um, Jay, and then Justin Gaethje rocked him back. But the most impressive point of this fight was those leg kicks from Justin Gaethje, because my God, they are ruthless. And if you see the leg of Michael Chandler after that fight, it was ripped to pieces. They pulled he, that up. They pulled that up on commentary as well, didn't they? His left leg. That, yeah, you know, and absolutely obliterated. It. Sorry, I jumped in then, but it was just no, no, the, com- the commentary of it. You know, you could hear the lads wincing. <laughs> yeah, because he no one kicks like Justin Gaethje in the UFC. I mean, you look at when they they get close to each other, Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje in a fight, and he whips that kick. You know, I mean, that close as well. You wouldn't think you'd get much sort of power from that, but he does. But it's those calf kicks as well. You see. You know, I mean, I'm not saying Justin Gaethje invented calf kicks, but Justin Gaethje really made them more aware to people. Um, you know, he did this to Khabib. Khabib hated these kicks when they both fought. You know, last time Khabib and Gaethje fought, um, he was whipping Khabib with them, and Khabib didn't like it either. But the thing is, what I liked about this is Michael Chandler does what Michael Chandler does. He's wild, but he's powerful. And Justin Gaethje's now learning, as we saw in a Tony Ferguson fight, he takes his time. He's he's not going for, like as he calls himself, the highlight reel. Highlight reel, but he's calm and collective of his strikes. He's 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 putting them where he needs to put them. He's not just trying to sort of fling it here, fling it there. You know, mm. trying to be. Oh, I can't think of the word. Over over excel himself like he has done in the past when he's fought in UFC. Um, but yeah, this fight was this what um, what you wanted. It was advertised to be a war, and by God, it was a war. But then the only issue I've got, I think, towards the end of the fight is 
Michael Chandler, you could see he was tired, but he had enough energy to tornado kick or try and tornado kick, get Gatesy <laughs> twice. And I'm like, why aren't you just going after him? And he's, <coughs> and he's pointing and, he's, and I'm like, just go after him. Do you think that could have gone five in terms of the, the gas tank? Uh, uh, definitely for Chandler because he's carrying more. You know, he's more stock here, isn't he? Obviously, do you think mm. that could have? Do you think they could have done the two rounds without a stoppage? That was a question I wanted to ask you. No, I think Gaethje. Fin- I think Gaethje would finish. Yeah, him. it was just you could see he was starting to wane in terms. of... Yeah, I, I get you on that. I get you on that again. Caught him, caught him cold with that uppercut, Stuart, in the second round, yeah. and sent sent uh, Michael Chandler into the shadow his realm. His face, his face was a bit of a mess as well, wasn't it? Let's not, you know, let's not forget. Uh, as you say, you know, I'm going to go to six strikes again, Chris, because Gaethje's percentage was sixty three percent landed, one sixteen. With one one eight three thrown, that he's landed one sixteen. Mm. I think that, and then there's quite a differential then with Chandler. He was forty two percent to twenty one percent less, but he did throw more two four five with one oh three landed. But that kind of tells you, doesn't it, what Gaethje was doing? He was uh, he wasn't rushing, was he? He, he, he bided was. his he bided his time, as you said. That would be that would attest to what those stats say. But if also there's another stat out there, Stuart, and I should have I should have pulled it up. Uh... But apparently there was, I think it was 1,200 strikes thrown in that fight. Um, significant strikes at that as well, mate. Uh, three, three, ra- three rounds, that amount of output. Crazy. Yeah, but you know what? These, this, this, these sort of type of fights, uh, you, you always find them in a three-round fight and they never get them in a five-round fight because they're all trying to sort of keep, keep their gas tank, you know, for the go the whole five rounds. But these three-round ones... You get some crazy fights, and then you kind of wish there's two more. But you know, at the end of the day, Justin Gaethje is, I think, I think, has cemented himself for the next shot against whoever wins out of Dustin Poirier and uh, Charles Oliveira next month. This is what was posed before, and we spoke about this, didn't we? If Makachev was, you know, teetering towards getting it, but on the basis of that, you know, either way, whoever would have won this fight, you know, the way it went, it's just yeah, you can't, you can't have him jumping past Gaethje, can you, for that number one contendership? After no, we but get it... after we get Charles Oliveira and Poirier, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, we've still got that to come. So, you know, I mean, the story and the narrative comes out after that fight's done, and we know who's the champion then, don't we? Uh, Makachev's got time, and you know, Makachev. Yeah. He's. You I mean there's still some good fights out there for him to have, as long as it's not Conor McGregor, then we're okay. <laughs> is that getting bandied around? Is it? No, uh, Michael Chandler actually said. Uh, an interesting photo on Twitter. Um, it's like him and Conor McGregor weighing in. So Conor McGregor superimposed, um, and he says, uh, "Soon twenty, you know, twenty twenty two. Conor's replied, and you know, he said like he definitely wants this fight, and you can see it sometime happening. But he obviously congratulated Michael Chandler. There's no shit talk, you know. Said, wow. you know what, well, great fight, I'm in- congrats. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. There was no shit talk. Well, Bloody you hell. know, sometimes Bloody you can hell. cut. Sometimes you can curb it." Are we heading to one of the latest hot prospects in Irish MMA, Chris? Because you've touted this man leading into this one at welterweight. Six foot three, this guy is, Ian Gary, Chris. And uh, mm. yeah, a lot, yep. of, uh, a lot of hoopla around him uh, previous to coming to UFC. 8-0 uh, now, Chris, against Jordan Williams. i tell you what, before the knockout, when he evaded that strike from Jordan Williams to set up his finish, incredible. Yep. I, I loved it. I loved it, Chris. And uh, yeah, you know, Jordan Williams, nine and six now, but they're going to build him, aren't they, obviously? And you're, you're very hot on this lad, aren't you? Listen, I, I, I've watched Ian Gary on Cage Warriors and watched him become champion in Cage Warriors. Um, 
he's a very spunky Irishman, if that's the right way to sort of speak about him. If you watch for his um his, his sort of his post fights and his pre fights in the cage where he's and UFC, he's just a very happy look, confident man. <coughs> so he should be with the kind of skill sets he, he can bring to the table. In this fight though, I, I kind of thought he was a bit nervous in the first probably three minutes of this fight. Um, he did get caught by Jordan a few times. You could see his lip and his nose were cut. Um, and he was getting caught. He was evading a few as well, though. I think he was just trying to find his rhythm, calm his nerves, uh, me and Gary. But as soon as he and Gary calmed his nerves, mate, my God, as you said, evaded that, that right hook. Caught so him well then. flush with his own hook right yeah. across the chin. Catches him again on the way down and catches him another one just to make sure and knocks out Jordan Williams, you know, out cold. Mirror image of... Uh, Conor McGregor and Eddie Alvarez, that, you know, uh, there's a there's a video of them side by side, the finishes, yeah, and very, very similar. Wow. But, you know, it, um, it, Conor McGregor is very com complimentary to uh, Ian Gary as well, you know, which is good to see. Um, Ian Gary's got a lot of work to do as well, though, because we're talking about the welterweight division he's going into now, mate, and it's a shark tank. He's only 23, so times could change by the time he gets ranked. Um, he's come out and said that he thinks that him and Shemaev could be battling it out for the title wow. in a few wow. years. Um, you know, interesting prospect for him. Um, but yeah, he looks really good. Let's not rush the guy now, though. Let's give him a couple of good fights in and around his sort of rankings. Obviously, he's not ranked yet, so we can't. I can't really pull that up. But um, but let's give him. You know, Mickey Gold beat this Jordan Williams um, in Jordan Williams' last fight. How about we do Ian Gary versus Mickey Gold yeah. next? I should say. It's perfect not to... Just don't rush the guy, isn't it, Chris? You know, 23, as you say. And, uh, yeah, just... He doesn't need to be fed to the to the top-end guys, does he? You know, there's plenty of time. He's got time on his side coming in. It's... Uh, and I like the, the frame of him as well, you know. Especially, you know, he's uh, he's a bit bigger, isn't he? Normally, mm. you know, they're coming in around six foot or just below at welterweight, aren't they? So, he's got, you know, he's got that size as well. He's got um, he's got the frame to move up to 185 as well. If, if you've noticed, I think yeah, if, yeah, in absolutely. a few years he could bulk up and go up. Um, yeah, look, he, he's got a lot of uh, prospects going forward as Ian Gary, but I, I mean, I just don't want this rushed. No. Uh, no. Just like Tom Tom Aspinall, I know Tom Aspinall's obviously just um, got his fight for March next year. I can't I can't pronounce the guy's name at the moment because it's one of them, but I think that's for the London card supposedly for next year right, for UFC. Okay. Maybe we can get more of these guys on there. You know, and Ian Gary can get Mickey Gall. Um, you know, he can start climbing this ladder and we can see what Mickey Gall's... Um, sorry, Mickey Gall, Ian Gary's got. Any any other special mentions from the event, Chris? Anything else that stood out uh, before we move on to Dana White's comments on video as we segue yeah. from MMA to boxing? Quite beautifully, actually. Uh, Frankie Edgar versus Marlon... Vera, mate. Uh... Uh, a lot of people didn't like the ending. Um, they thought that the stoppage was a bit too soon, but I think that up kick that Vera hit, um, Frankie Edgar made him look like Homer Simpson. I don't know if you've seen this full <laughs> picture of it. I, I, have, I have. Not that I'm uh -oh. laughing. What what a legend of the game Frankie Edgar was. Yeah, you know man. I mean? uh, Listen, it's he, sad. It's sad to see. with him now. It's sad. With him now. Yeah, he's been in some walls, you know, when he was at peak. When you look back, and I think he's just gone too long, but, you know, he's got that fighter's mentality, hasn't he? Um, oh yeah, it was brutal that still image that you're talking about. Though. I had seen it. Yeah, I think um, just call, call it a day now, Frankie. Well, 
Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, and then, obviously, I spoke about Alex Pajera, uh made his debut this weekend as well. Yeah. Well, last weekend. Um, showed um, showed some heart because he got taken down. Um, you know, obviously, not people would know uh, a kickboxer to have good ground game. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Izzy didn't have that great ground game when he came into UFC, but he's obviously adapted and uh, adopted a lot of different things. You, you, but you saw Alex Pajera get up and you saw the power. And that flying knee was beautiful on the button. Good night. And he moves up now. And I think what's scary about Alex Pajera is he's got all this power. And now he's got a lot of time to invest in his, his MMA skill set, which is fearful. Thinking Absolutely. what he could do going up. So good, uh, good night all in, Chris, wasn't it? Uh, good. I'll tell you what, it was late. It was late local time as well, the main card, wasn't it? Because they're on the East Coast. I noticed that, but yeah, what a, what a showcase, and I think, Chris, we can move on to Dana, because we're going to talk about Canelo versus Plant, so if you want to roll the VT with Dana, because this is quite interesting, a bit of cross MMA and boxing here, yeah, from, no from, from the head honcho at the UFC. How many more pay-per-views did you sell than Canelo did tonight? <laughs> well, I don't know, I, I hope they did well, I think they're insane. To go the same night as us, it literally doesn't make sense. Um, did you notice they would? I watched it ringside. Did you pay for it? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you notice they were kind of defiant about going the same time as you? Remember last time Canelli fought, they held him for Nate yeah. Diaz and Hoy, and then Espinosa was out here being like, "Oh hell no, we're not doing that again." Did you notice that? And what did you make of that? Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Uh, he's an asshole. So. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. But, uh, yeah, it was a bad idea. I think it was a bad idea. And they charged like 80 bucks for it. I think it was $80. Um, but I like Canelo. I watched the fight. I bet on Canelo. How much? That's why I watched the fight. <laughs> How much did you bet? Um, I bet 100000 on him to win by knockout. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. A hundred G's for Dana. Did he get three hundred back? Didn't he? Is that is that what he won off it bloody hell? There's bloody a hell. funny you mentioned this, Stuart, but I saw a picture last night on Twitter before I went to bed, and someone's obviously taking it from like behind where Dana is. So I think Ro Rose and Nate Wayliang are fighting, and I think where Rose has got uh, Wayliang in the corner, and he's there with his laptop, and you can see Canelo and Plant there on his laptop. Him saying it, him saying about you. Know, did you pay for it? Mm, yes. I'm like, hold on a minute. You're I'm coming sure after people. Like, you're I'm, coming after I'm people. Sure he, I'm sure he did. Do you know, it was a Dana Cage side as well. He was talking to someone behind him. I can't remember what fight it was. I could see him. You obviously can see him as bald head. Like, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he wasn't paying attention to what was going on. You were just further on from what you were saying. It's like he was talking to a guy behind him while the action was going on. I can't remember. It might have been uh, Gaethje and Chandler. Possibly, if memory serves. But, uh, yeah, just to go through that a little bit, just running the same night, it, it does, it does, it is questionable, I guess. But what, mm. do, you do, some, what do you do sometimes, Chris? There's going to be clashes, isn't there? Just that's the nature of it and what's going on, you know? What, did you, what do you think? Listen, it is what it is. You're going to get this with, uh, you know, wrestling and, uh, and MMA or boxing and wrestling. Listen, you can't... You can't sort of go, oh, wait, hold on. They're fight they got a card this night, uh, or we better hold off. Listen, people want to watch Canelo, so 
people get people in the thousands, millions are still going to watch Canelo. Like people in the thousands and millions are going to watch UFC 268. It's just split, isn't it? It's just one of them. But you know, Dana White doesn't like Showtime. He never has. So his comments don't surprise me. Espinosa got it, didn't he? There, absolutely. And I think it just is perfect now to move on as we've touted this man. Weeks on end now, and he just gets better and better. Some people said the fight was boring. I didn't necessarily think that. It was a bit of a chess match again, wasn't it, early on, Chris? You know, you, you've mm. said it You've said it before now, where he's sussing people out. And you could see with Plant's jab offence at times, he was just trying to adjust himself, Canelo. But what I found especially good from him was the body punching on Can- on Canelo's side. I think the body punching and getting inside, being the smaller man, it was just—it was a masterclass again, and then working, you know, working to the head as well uh, as it went on. And as you can see there, depicted in the photo, he's got all the gold. He's got his king's crown on. He's got his Mexican flag behind him as well, and uh, just utter dominance at light heavyweight, Chris. And as we said, I can't believe people were going for Caleb Plant. It's just—I know he hadn't lost, but who has he fought really prior to going in there with the you know pound for pound best, which he is. He, he is. He is just, now. And just think, he's taken. Two zeros in the last two fights off two fighters are unbeaten. Uh, you know, Billy Joe and Caleb Plant now. Um, listen, he looked really good in that fight. Okay, I, I found it a bit boring, but my, my my argument here, Stuart, is I just watched Usman and Covington and watched two of 68, and then I watched, uh, you know, Canelo and Plant. So my, my argument there is I've seen, you know, that type of fight and I'm going into boxing. Listen, he, he looked good, as you say. He's looking for those body punches. He was backing Plant up constantly in the corner, trying to catch him on the ropes. But he was looking for that left hook, wasn't he? He was looking for it. Not making it too obvious, but he was hunting for that knockout with that left hook all fight. And then in the 11th round, Stuart, not only did he catch him once, he caught him twice and cleared him out. Um, He's too good, isn't he? He, Listen, Canelo is what Anderson Silva is to me in the heyday, where he just beats everybody. And there isn't really a challenge for him. But as you say, he can go up to light heavyweight. There's some good fights there. You said you've got, uh, is it Benavidez? David Benavidez is the only one now. And when I'm looking at that, the rankings, you can pull some rankings up if you want, because we can look at his his next his next course of action. Because super middleweight, I only see him, there's only one fight. Anthony Durrell's too far down now. I, there's no point in taking him on. He's got to go for Benavidez, Chris. It's it's the only feasible option. You know, 24-0 and 0 there. You look through, Durrell, 34-2. and 2, But yeah, that's the one there. You know he's he's for he's for everyone at a level at a level now. It has to be David Benavides just for him to say, look, I've I've unified it now. I'll, I'll defend it, uh, and it's only another seven pounds to put on to go up to one seven five at light heavyweight. Chris, mm. what do you what do you think looking at that? Well, as you say, he's beating everybody. Yeah. Okay, Benavides is the is the only one there that, I suppose in his mind, is the always got to go, hasn't it? I think if he beats Benavidez, then you know where where, where are we going here? We're going up, aren't we? Um, Absolutely, yeah. Into into light heavyweight, then, as you can see. So that that the ring title is vacant. Obviously, we've got the other boxing buds there, but we'll just go through a few. Arthur Baturbia there on 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 the top. You know, you've got Arthur Baturbia, IBF, WBC. That'd be a huge match. Dmitry Bivol as well. You know, the two Russians are doing fantastic. They'd be great mm. fights. Great fights. Joe Smith Jr. Don't know a great deal about him, truth be told. But obviously, you know, he's there. He's there on merit with the WBO. But yeah, you start looking. If you just scroll back up, Chris, to the main guys in the ring, you know, he's beaten Callum Smith at super middleweight. 
Callum Smith's gone up, so I can't see that one happening. You're looking, you're looking at Baturvi, Evan Bivol, 100%. It has to, you know, they'd be two of the fights to be made. Um, you know, that that's that's the way I'd be looking for him now because I think he's going to be problematic at light heavyweight as well, Chris. I really believe it. I really believe it. Look at it. Look at it with Tyson years ago. Mm. He did. He didn't have the height. He was five foot ten, wasn't he? Had power. I, it it, it kind of reminds me of Tyson a little bit. You know, on a on a lower scale. He's five eight, but he's just he's like a Mack truck, isn't he? His power. Yeah, but it's not just his power with, with Canelo. It, it's timing, uh, his speed, uh, his willingness to work someone out. And once he's worked you out, you're fucked because. He knows what you're going to do then, and then he implements his own game plan. I thought um, he moved quicker in this fight, you know, to try and get the finish. Not like necessarily try and get the finish, but I think he worked Caleb Plant out very quickly in this. Because after the first round, Canelo took over the fight then and just, just con- controlled it. I'm looking at records there as well. If you look like Baturbiev's only had 16, Bivol's only had 18. You look at how many fights he's, he's, he's on, like 60 fights himself. Yeah, he's just got so much. He's got so much experience now. It's it's just it's it's alarming how much experience he has. You know, it's that Mexican mold when they when they're younger, they fight they fight so many times in a year when they're younger, don't they? And uh, you know, they were having to. He was having to fight in Mexico very young because he couldn't get the fights in America. But mm. it, I think it served him well. Experience as well. You know that that's a factor. Well, Mexico's that's, a hotbed, isn't it? So absolutely. I'm just looking at the guys like Badu Jack. Maybe maybe three or four years ago, yeah, maybe he would have been a good fight. You know, guys have kind of petered off. So yeah. I'm looking there. You know, we've got our very own Lyndon Arthur there in in the ring um, rankings. They're just not. They just haven't got a chance. I, and and I'm not knocking Batiev and Bivol. They're the they're the two. But they are the two. I think he'd be looking to to take on. And uh, what what a performance again, Chris. You know, he, he pieces it together as he you know as he does, and he just gets better and better every fight, doesn't he? Makes it look easy. That's the thing with Canelo. But the good with these were things that elite fighters do though. They make things look easy. You know, you watch it and it's so flawless. Everything he throws, his movement, <coughs> his 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 head movement, uh, everything's just flawless with Canelo. Um yeah, he's problematic for everybody now if he decides to go up. Um but it's his experience over you say Berbatov and uh, Bivel. It's hard to match, isn't it? 60 fights to someone who's only fought 18 and the other one's only fought 16. He becomes a five-weight world champion. That's just stratospheric. That That's, that's uh, all-time great status for me. Uh, mm. Which, you know, he's, he's he's there anyway. But if he gets if he if he wins at five weights, you've got to be putting him in contention for one of the best ever. I've heard, like, well, the greatest Mexican fighter ever was Chavez Jr., but... I, I question that, and that the way the, the way he's gone and become one of the you know the kingpins in in boxing on the whole is amazing. And uh, Chris, I think we can move on to some news, domestic boxing news. A huge announcement, as we said a week or two ago, he was going to be on the card. Coming up was Conor Ben, and he's facing Chris Algieri on matching Chris. A lot of people are saying, well, Algieri's kind of like not focused on the boxing he, he's training people he's helping mm-hmm. people like the sports science side but as i said to you he's for errol spence jr pacquiao and khan uh, a lot of people are like turning around saying he's cannon fodder but he's got a lot of experience as chris algeri i think it's a good fight to be made you're gonna get your detractors aren't you chris you're gonna get people yeah. being negative about it i think it's a good fight for conor ben you know a huge night for him in liverpool I think it's a winnable fight for him as well, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I can see what you mean by people saying these cannon fodder, and but you know, I said to you off camera, well, this morning when we were messaging, um, you know, he's still fought some of the best fighters in his division. Um, you know, you can't knock that. It's a, it, you know, I mean, it's a test for Conor Ben, but I, I think Conor Ben's really, really good, mate, and I, I, see, I can see him going quite going far in this division. There's no, there's no question about that. And yeah, obviously, Katie Taylor, her opponent is to be announced. So yeah, just a quick roundup here. And then uh, moving moving on as well, Kid Galahad defending the IBF World Featherweight title against the veteran Kiko Martinez. We've seen Kiko Martinez against um, Carl Frampton. We've seen him against Josh Warrington as well. So yeah, a lot lot of experience. Kiko was a world champion 10, 10 years ago. He was one of, one of the best, you know, at the weight. Uh, but yeah, a, bit, a big one for Kid Galahad. The only time he's lost was to Josh Warrington. Some people questioned that result. Some people thought mm-hmm. Kid Galahad did enough in that fight to, to win. But yeah, a huge, huge night on Matchroom. So yeah, that, that will be this weekend as well, Chris. So yeah, look forward to that one. And uh, yeah, I think Galahad is heavy, heavy favourite on this one. And we've also got Harper versus Boone Gardner as well on the card. So ladies boxing. Super featherweight titles, WBC and IBO. And Billerman Smith, a European cruiserweight title fight as well. So another great card from Eddie Hearn, another domestic card. And uh, Sheffield will be rocking as the hometown man defends his title, Chris. I've not much I've not watched much of Kid Galahad, but you know I me mean, do hear a lot of people see, speak about him. So I mean I'm intrigued. First time I'll watch him and uh I'll I'll say next week how I feel. Kiko, Kiko will be a good test, but I think he's uh, he's just a you know he's aging now. But yeah, as you say, can only you know beat who's put in front of him. And That's I'm not right. dis- I'm not disputing him. I'm not disputing it. He's a vet. He's a veteran. But yeah, Kid Galahad for me will win that one. And Chris, we there were full three sixty. We're back with the UFC as well. It's fight night, and it is Max Holloway, a fan favorite. You know, incredible. He's had an incredible career off the back of you know the loss to Connor many many years ago. In, mm-hmm. in some res- in some respects, it helped him. But I know you're a big fan of Yair Rodriguez. It was interesting to see that he's not fought in two years, Yair Rodriguez. Well, so he, he, he's been booked a few times, but I think injuries and whatnot um, have obviously ruined the, the sort of potential fights he could have had. Um, yeah, I, it, I'm a hard one to pick, you know, because we haven't seen Max since against Kelvin Cater. And that obviously saw how good Max was because the strikes... He hit Calvin Cater with, and the amount of strikes he hit Calvin Cater with. He obliterated him. He obliterated them off the back of losing to Volkanovski, didn't he? He needed yeah. a big win. He needed a big win, and he got it, Chris. This is quite interesting, you see, for me, because I, I feel like this is setting up for Volkanovski again. Because I, I don't think, unless Max goes up to, goes up a weight, which I, I'd be interested to see what he'd be if he went back up to lightweight. Because, he, you know, he fought Poirier, didn't he, for the interim title? He was supposed to, he was supposed to fight Khabib um, when the whole Tony thing fell apart, but obviously he couldn't make it. Um, yeah, you Rodriguez is just um, um, a monster with the kicks, uh, just incredible kicks as Yaya Rodriguez. But the problem is when you've got someone like Max Holloway who can throw that amount of strike volume, it, it's 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 dangerous, isn't it? It's dangerous. But I like Max Holloway. Max Holloway, I mean, he, he's so level-headed and you I mean he doesn't strike like he used to in, in the gym now and he always I think that's where people have come and said like you know there's times in the conferences Stuart where he was slurring and people are a bit worried about him but like Robbie Lawler he's come away from striking in his 
when he's training for fights now. So he's using that and then using that sort of practice in the actual fight. And you saw against Calvin Kater, you know what I mean? He looked phenomenal. Um, I, I can't only see Max Holloway winning this, if I'm honest. Yair Rodriguez could catch him with a, an unorthodox kick because that's what Yair Rodriguez can do. But Max Holloway's just got the, the, the experience. I think he's he's getting better even at his age. He'd be still young, don't forget. Um, and I think this probably shoots up to maybe him and Volkanovski too. Or free, sorry. It would be free, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, and then Max Holloway obviously has to win that fight against Volkanovski. Or I think, obviously, it's either he goes down the pecking order or he has to go up to 170. Or 55, sorry. Which you know he has, he has, he has been at one fifty-five. You know he's had, he's had a go, hasn't he? But uh, yeah, this fight was meant to be three months ago. Obviously, as you say, July, another injury, yeah. another injury to I, which it, but we're getting it now, and it, it will be, it will be explosive. There's no two ways about it. Will ring rust be a factor? I like. I always ask you this. Mm, it depends on certain fighters, doesn't it? Some certain fighters will use that as an excuse. Listen, these guys are going to try have trained hard for this because I think they know what the end game could be or the possible end game could be. You know, you won that title shot. I don't know if uh, Ivan can beat Volkanovski at the moment because I think he's just getting absolutely better. Like this, my words are wrong there. He's getting absolutely, I've said it again, he's getting really, really good. Like, he's, he's, Volkanovski is just getting strength to strength to strength. Um, I, I, I think, like, anyone who fights Volkanovski, unless you can catch him, with a lucky puncher or lucky submission, I think he beats everybody in that division at the moment. Um, but I'd still like to see Max Holloway and Volkanovski go at it again. Fantastic prospect, this one. Absolutely going to be fantastic, as always, and a, a huge, huge main event for fight night. And uh, yeah, Chris, anything any, anything to add? Oh, there we go. Yeah, UK's up. Mark Diakese, highly touted many years ago, Chris, wasn't he, when he first yeah, came he in? Was, yeah, you know, he was doing well. He had some good wins. Uh, I don't know too much about Rafael Alves, Chris. Um, not seen much of him. But, yeah, good to see Mark Diakese back back in action. Needs a win, does uh, Mark Diakese, if I'm honest, mate. Um, he came in like a like a bulldog, didn't he? Um, then fought some really hot, tough comp- competitors. And has it fallen on the wayside? But I think he's also had a lot of injuries. He's had visa problems getting into the, uh, the U.S., so it's good that he's got one now and he's back in. Um, you just want to see him win, don't you? He's a you know a UK fighter, and you know we we, we high our flags for our, uh, our UK fighters. So I don't know much about Rafael Al- Alvarez either. Um, this is quite a low down ranking fight, so I, I might have missed Rafael a few times, which is probably my bad. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping to Casey can you know pull this one out the bag and get himself back on the winning column. Absolutely, yeah. Good to see him back, and uh, hopefully, as you say, gets to, gets to a win. Another domestic fighter who we who we really, you know, we had high, had high hopes for him. So hopefully, he can put it all together, and that that'll be good to see as well. And I just like to say as well, the boxer series was on on Saturday from Liverpool. Our fellow Blue Nose Tom Farrell got to the final against the undefeated Corey Gibbs. Chris, um, split decision win for Corey Gibbs. A lot of people said Tom Farrell won the fight in front of his home fans, but £40,000 richer is Corey Gibbs. So, yeah, I like the eight-man format on the night, and it was three three-minute rounds, Chris. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Boxer will obviously keep doing that. Very much of the same ilk as the Sky Prize Fighter series that we had for many years. So it's good to see that. I, I, I like that format, and uh, I, heard it, I heard it went really well. seen some clips, so, yeah. Corey Gibbs, victorious, but our fellow Blue Nose, Tom Farrell, 
some people said he did enough to uh, put a blemish on Corey Gibbs' undefeated record. Maybe they'll go again somewhere down the line, mate. I'm, I think that could uh, very much happen. And Ben Shalom will be looking to book that for Boxer. Chris, any news? Anything happening? No, no, mate. I'm living a boring life currently, mate. Uh, <laughs> uh, just what, just what, catching on TV and stuff. Uh, watching your episode of Dexter yesterday. Uh, I got it before it came out. Um, enjoyed that. Um, it's been a long time. I was a bit worried it's going to be awful, like the ended of the, the actual series a few years ago. But it wasn't bad. It was, it, it was okay, you know. So uh, just that, really, mate. Just looking forward to things coming, like the fights. Um, fuck the football because it's just pressing me. Um, but, you know, certain TV shows that are coming back, you know, the Cobra Kai in December, The Witcher in December, you know, um, Ozark in January. Just I'm quite excited for these sort of things that are coming back, mate. Keep me occupied. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. This has been episode 38 of Powerful.tv Big Fight Weekly. We will see you next week. Will we? Jokes. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you'll be, you'll be stumbling. Hands hold on a minute. No. So yeah, we will we will see you next week. Obviously, we'll recap everything and we'll have more analysis. Do you know what, Chris? We've had no Paul brothers this week. I can't believe uh, there's been there's been no Brett. I don't know. Maybe he's hiding with Jake. Where Paul is now. Brett? Where is Brett? Like, is it? He's a mainstay. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I think he's cutting been, that. He's he's cutting that grass. Yeah, yeah, that, that's been been quiet on the comments but it's been good uh, you know in the same token we've had a bit more time i guess and uh, yeah we will see you next week for episode 39 as we head into the christmas period which is coming up very very soon the dreaded christmas period and uh, yeah we will see mm. you next week for episode 39 see you next week uh, i like that good job Dylan. good job much respect much respect Alright, go kiss later, go back to the water. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, you like to see Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.